been awesome praise. Thank you, worship team. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place right now, even as we feel the breeze blowing. Lord, let there come the fresh breeze of your presence over us. Teach us and train us and equip us, God. Make us to become the instruments of righteousness that you want us to be. Not righteousness that we're more right or better than anybody else, but righteousness in the sense of right with you and bringing your rightness into a broken world. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. We welcome your fullness here tonight. Blow afresh upon our hearts, I pray. Revive us again. Revive us again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kevin, for doing that for me. So we've been talking about the person of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit and what that looks like and what that means for us. And I, I have a picture I want to share with you guys. It's a picture. Imagine you're going to the beach like in Southern California or Hawaii or somewhere really nice. You're going out to the beach with your family. You got your little kids with you and they got their little buckets and their little beach instruments, you know. And they go down to the water and they fill up their pail, their little bucket full of water. And they're standing there on the edge of the sea with their bucket full of ocean water. And there's this vast ocean out there. And now think of that for a second because their bucket is full of all that the sea is. But it's not full of all of the sea. In the same way, we have all of the Holy Spirit we can contain. Sometimes I feel like a little bucket. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? We have all of the Holy Spirit that we can contain. But there is so much more available. And that's what we're talking about in this series. We, and this is why Paul said, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to keep your bucket full. Because in the process of life, building things, preparing things, you lose a little water, but you've got to gain it back. You've got to get it back. Amen? Amen. And so we've been talking about this. On your handout, Reinhard Bonnke, who has gone on to be with the Lord. I love, I love this quote that I read out of his book. He said, the Father gave us two gifts, both personal and equal. First, his Son, and then his Spirit. Think of that. He gave us his Son to save us from our sins. And then he gave us his Spirit so that we could live the saved life to live out the salvation in the power of God and so we're going to talk tonight on this idea of spiritual gifts because the Holy Spirit brings to us and makes available to us the gifts uh, spiritual gifts and we're going to talk about that here are some of the questions that people have asked and so I'm just going to uh, go ahead and line them out for you and, it, and and so people have asked what are spiritual gifts then someone asks, do we all have all of them or just one of them? 
And then someone else asked, how do we activate spiritual gifts? Then another question was, is there a difference between talents and gifts? Sunday I preached about uh, the parable of the talents and how that uh, talents, there is within talents gifts, but you know, but are, are talents and gifts the same thing? Are, they adi- are there additional gifts that aren't mentioned in the Bible? And then can your spiritual gifts change over time? So this is a, these are some of the things that we're going to possibly address. I think probably uh, all of these will be answered in some way tonight as we go through the lesson. So um, let's read in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to read the first seven verses of uh, 1 Corinthians 12. I think it will come up on the screen. And so Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. In other words, if you truly are a Spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ, you're not going to defame the name of Jesus. You're going to glorify and honor the name of Jesus, right? So he says, no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. We can't even confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our life without the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, he goes on. Now, this is what I want you to see. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries. Now, take note of this, these terminologies. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But then he said in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So this is where I want to just kind of begin with here tonight. We're going we're gonna to settle right here for just a minute. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts, and especially we're going to land on the area of the manifestation uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus lived here on earth, he lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said, Paul said in the book of Philippians, that when Jesus came, Jesus, you, you guys know, you all know, I'm just going to go back over this, this is elementary, but I know you know this, but Jesus is God, was God, has always been God, didn't become God when he was begotten and brought into this world. He existed from eternity with Father and the Spirit, okay? So when Jesus came, Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 that he emptied himself of his uh, inherent powers, if you will. He let them go when he came into this world because he was identifying with you and me. He was taking on our humanity. He was still God. He was without sin, but he was emptied of his inherent powers, which means he needed to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And everything Jesus did, Everywhere he went, he went to do the Father's will, but he could only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And so he relied solely on the Spirit's power. So, 
So Jesus, excuse me, I got to get my notes here. So what Jesus began in the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants us to, com- to continue on in the same power of the Holy Spirit. That's the church. Wherever Jesus went, whatever he did, it was all to set the captive free. Can I get a good amen out there? He wanted, how many of you were captive before you met Jesus, right? We were slaves of sin, Paul said. And so Jesus, Jesus redeemed our life, and he saved us by the power of the Spirit. Well, that same life-giving power of the Holy Spirit resides within each and every one of us. God wants the Spirit to flow through us. And we're not talking about the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit, how many of you know that's really important too? In fact, that's equally important as the gifts of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is the, the character work of the Holy Spirit transforming us to look a lot more like Jesus. And how many of you know we all could stand to look a little bit more like Jesus in every way? So the fruit of the Spirit is important because the Spirit is working to transform our lives, to, change our, to, to uh, yeah, transform our character, make us sound and look a lot more like Jesus. But the gifts of the Spirit, I believe, are the demonstration of the love of God. In the world. Remember, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that son, Jesus, operated and did everything he did in the power of the Holy Spirit to manifest the love of God in a broken and hurting world. And so these gifts of the Holy Spirit, I think, are really important because this is how God shows how he loves people. Amen. And so this is what we're going to talk about. Tonight, let's begin with the pattern of spiritual gifts. Now, Paul said that we need to rightly divide the Word of God. And so we're going to, I'm going to make an attempt tonight. And what I'm going to share with you is not new to me, but it is something that I think, that I believe. And I, I really believe this, uh, this teaching, what I'm going to show you. Now, when we talk about spiritual gifts, we often think about spiritual gifts about the list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And that's what we only look at as spiritual gifts. But the Bible actually teaches that the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all have given gifts to all of us. Okay? And all of those gifts of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are available to us. And so I feel like I need to start here. I need to kind of lay this groundwork and give a full-orbed understanding of spiritual gifts. First of all, you can see in your outline, there are what we would call the motivational gifts of the Father. This is found in Romans chapter 12, and we'll look at it here in a moment. But these gifts are gifts that God uh, basically weaves into the fabric of your soul when you're in your mother's womb. David said, while I was in my mother's womb, the Lord knew me and he knit me together. He put me together. He made me the kind of person and to have the traits and the personality and the abilities. Father God has given this to me and this is something of his own nature. This is in his image, and after his likeness, he has put this on the inside of me. I'm born with these things, but oftentimes they may lay dormant in our unconverted state, even though we can see, we can see before we ever got saved, we can almost see kind of where we were going a little bit. But these are gifts of the Father. Let's look at them. They're found in, in Romans chapter 12. It's going to come up on the screen, I believe. 
And uh, Paul says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Now let me just stop right there. Paul said, nobody should think more highly of themselves than they ought to think. In other words, you can't do this by yourself. You can't be this Christian by yourself. It all takes everybody. It takes takes a community of faith-filled believers, amen, Amen. to become all that God wants us to be, right? So don't think that you can do Christianity all by yourself. People who don't go to church don't need church. That's really not biblical, we need each other. We need to be in the community. We need to be, we need to, because I have gifts that you don't have, and you have gifts that I don't have, right? And so we feed off of each other. And so God has made us this way. So he says, so having then gifts differing, everybody say differing. In other words, we don't all have the exact same kind of gift operating in the exact same way differing right you got your things i've got my things and when we all put it together it makes it so much better i know we think it makes it so much worse when you know i wish they would do it like me but if everyone did like you it would be a boring place so having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them and so he's going to name them off and there's eight of them if prophecy let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, or meaning serving, let us use it in our ministering. Or he who teaches in teaching. Or he who exhorts in exhortation. Or he who gives, give with liberality. Or he who leads or administrates, do that with diligence. He who shows mercy, Do it with cheerfulness. And so you see there, there were eight. He talked about prophecy, mercy, exhortation, giving, leading. Help me out. Teaching, serving, class, exhorting. Did did we say that? Let's pretend that we said them all. It's Wednesday night. Let's just pretend. I want to emphasize something. These are gifts given to you by the Father when he made you. Some of us have a natural propensity toward leadership. Some of us are all about exhorting. Anybody know Kim Eldred? Okay, Kim Eldred is one of the biggest exhorters I've seen in the entire universe. She told me a thousand times, if she's told me once... If you forget the truth, just call me. I'll help you out. And she's not being arrogant, but she's keeping me in line when my spirit gets overwhelmed and I don't want to believe the truth. And I need exhortation. 
We need leaders. We need mercy people. We need givers. We need people that have a, they just got a mind for teaching. They're, they're constantly digging and they're able to impart knowledge. And we can't live by knowledge alone. Knowledge of itself will puff up. But we need to have that truth on the inside of us. Amen? And so these are gifts the Father gives to you to be, to help you to be who he has designed you to be. This is his shape on your life. And of that list, I would encourage you to go home and read through that list and read through it slowly and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me where my gifting lies and how I can develop that for the benefit of everybody else. Study it out for yourself. Search it out. Amen. Then we have, those are the motivating, motivational gifts of the Father. We have, <clears throat> we have the ministry gifts of the Son. And this is found in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through, uh, and 12. And let's just look at it right now. Go ahead and bring that up. Paul is writing, and he said that, uh, that Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for, read this with me, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we see here in Romans 12, Paul says, God, referring to God the Father, gave us gifts, and those gifts are a motivating factor in our life. They stir us, they move us, they compel us. They, they oftentimes determine kind of where we get involved, what we do and what we don't do. But now here, Paul is saying that Jesus himself, now notice those term, that terminology, he said the Lord himself gave gifts. He gave gifts. And he gave what we call the fivefold ministry gifts. He gave some to be apostles, prophets. If you know what a prophet is, they're one of these kind of people. No, I'm teasing. Apostles, prophets, evangelists. I can't do that one by itself for obvious reasons. But it's the furthest reaching uh, finger. And then pastors, the ring finger, because they're married to the church. And then teachers, because they search out every little detail, Right? <laughs> So this is a five-fold ministry going on here. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now, here's the point. Everybody, under the sound of my voice right now, probably has been graced by Jesus with one of these ministries, that it, it's in you. You might be a teacher you might be an apostle. Now, let me just give you real quick. I, I, I can't go deep. I got to stay shallow. But let me, let me just kind of give you a breakdown. An apostle literally means a sent one, to send or sent. Apostle is one that's always looking for the next mountain to conquer, the next thing to overcome. And they're ready to, let's, let's go after it. Here, here's where God is leading. This is what God is doing. Now, not, now, all of us may, some of us in the room may have an apostolic propensity within us, but we maybe don't hold the office of an apostle. But you can still have received from Jesus a grace of an apostle. There are people in this church 
who are constantly, Let's, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How are we going to go after it? They're, they're thinking about the next mountain to conquer, the next thing to overcome. Some people are not about that. I don't want to conquer mountains. I just want to learn the Bible. I just want to dig into God's word, you know, or whatever. And so we have all kinds. That's probably an anointing, a grace upon your life. So we have apostles means sent. Prophets mean to speak. They hear God, and they, want to, and they just have it in them that they got to tell you what God is saying. They, they have that prophetic voice. God speaking. How many of you know that God speaks? And a prophet is hearing what God is saying and will say it. They will say it. They will get the message out. Now, an evangelist is one who seeks lost souls. These are people who are just drawn to figure out how to get people to come to Jesus. They are very concerned about those who do not know the Lord, as all of us should be. In fact, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, I think he had to do it to nudge him, do the work of an evangelist. Get out there, love people, win them to the Lord. It's not all just about preaching on Sunday morning, (laughs) talking to myself. It's about loving people into the kingdom. It's about bringing lost and hurting souls to Jesus, right? And then there, the pastor is the one, let me, let me look at my notes here. The pastor is a server. The pastor is like a shepherd that just is uh, just all about the people, all about just getting the people together, keeping the people together, loving the people, making sure they're taken care of. You know, I mean, that's why we laid down this carpet right here for you guys. I care about the sheep. It concerns me that you get dirty. And then we're going to have to have feet washing. Good old-fashioned Pentecostal feet washing. The women over here and the men over here. That's, I mean, you got to keep it, you know. And then the teacher, of course, the teacher searches out the minute, the minutia of the scriptures to get us. And so what I'm saying to you is that the Father has made your personality and equipped you with traits of his own likeness. It's there. Search it out. Search it out. Dig in. Ask the Lord, God, show me how you've made me. And you'll probably figure it out if you think about the things you get involved in, the way you operate, what stirs you, what sets you on fire. And then in order to to live up to what the Father has designed for you, Jesus then, I believe, imparts of his own ministry for the betterment of the church, he imparts a grace and an anointing in one of these or maybe a couple of these in your life so that you can fulfill this ministry and this work in your life. Then that brings us then to the third category of spiritual giftings, and that's what we refer to as the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is where I kind of want to land tonight, because now what we're talking about with these gifts is that we're talking about when the Holy Spirit comes upon you spontaneously 
and powerfully and personally the nine gifts of the Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are available to anyone and everyone at any time the Holy Spirit chooses. Now, the gifts of the Father are traits that reside in me. The gifts that come from Jesus are offices or anointings that Jesus imparts to us as he wills, but these gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they abide with me, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit, now they can, they, they can kind of come and go as the Spirit wills. Let's look at the scripture. Let's read it together in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's begin at verse 7. Okay, so verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Now look at verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he determines. This is important. Because God wants every one of his kids to operate like Jesus in the power of his spirit. He wants that for all of his kids. And none of these are off limits to any one of us. And by the way, the word grace grace and gifts are synonymous. They come from the same root word. And basically, it is God's grace... When he gives you a gift, it is a grace of God. It's not because you earn it. It's not because you deserve it. It's because you're his child, and he wants you to operate in the fullness of his spirit like Jesus did. So stop selling yourself short. Can I get a little preachy? Well, I'm, you know, I'm not a college graduate. So... It has nothing to do with it. Well, I haven't been to church most of my life. has absolutely nothing to do with it. If you belong to Jesus, the Spirit of God resides within you. Be open to more fullness of the Holy Spirit. Seek the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Walk in His presence. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Right? And know that these gifts, just as the Father has given you something that motivates you, And just as Jesus has equipped you for works of ministry to equip the body of Christ, so the Holy Spirit has manifesting powers. Everybody say power. Power. Come on, now let's not be afraid of power. How many of you know this world needs to experience the power of God? And so I believe that the power of God is a demonstration of His love. I mean, for God to work a miracle in our life and to you know, to to, uh, free us from the bondages of addiction or to heal us of diseases, that is a manifestation of love. That's not just God flexing, God showing off. That's God loving people. So we 
we need to get bold about that and know that this is one of the ways God is loving on people by the power of his spirit working through us. And so let's, let's kind of look at this. I, I don't have this in your notes. Excuse me while I grab for some other notes here. I did not go digital like usual. Have you noticed? Somebody help me. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> Kevin, help me. No, you're good. Okay, so let's break this down. Let me just kind of do this. You're not going to have this. If you want to make notes on it, you can go ahead and do it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I want to go over the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I want to break them down into a triad. So these are another, uh, you know, triad of, of thoughts here. There are of the nine, there are nine gifts. By the way, people say, are there more than nine gifts of the Spirit? Well, I don't know if there are more. I know there are a lot of people that make a, a kind of a, a big deal about, about that. But I would just say this. I figure we, I don't think we've perfected the nine that are listed. <laughs> Maybe we should stay focused on the nine and not worry too much about, is there more? Well, about this? I, I don't know. I don't know about that. But I'm going with the nine, and I know that i got to get better at all these. Amen. So I'm going to start here. And so the nine gifts of the Spirit are, first of all, the discerning gifts. The, if you're going to take notes on this, write your, uh, what's alliteration? It's going to be all D words. Discerning gift, okay? Under discerning gift are... Words, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Now let's just think about that for a second. So what is a word of knowledge? A word of knowledge is where the Holy Spirit allows you to know something specific that you didn't learn by natural means. The Holy Spirit will come upon you in a conversation with people, maybe at the altar, maybe out at work, you know, not everything has to happen in church. Amen. 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 In fact, this needs to happen in the house, the neighborhood, out at work, at school. Okay, so you might be in a conversation, and the Holy Spirit will whisper something in your spirit about this individual. And, and usually, if it, now remember, if it's a work of the Spirit, it's love. It's not exposing, it's not mean-spirited, it's not judgmental. It's to help, to heal, to encourage, to bless. So be, if you know, if, you, if you're feeling like, whoa, I know something, I'm going to expose it. Like, you know, if, if you're, you're, you're operating in the flesh at that moment and not in the love of the Holy Spirit. But what I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit will give you information or he'll give you understanding that you could not have known. It's a word of knowledge. Some people say they feel words of knowledge. Again, I don't know this, but there are some people that teach this, like they say that I, they have a back pain. This has happened in our church. They say, well, I don't normally have a back pain, but I feel like I'm feeling a pain for somebody else. And they'll pray for somebody. Does somebody else have a lower back pain or a knee issue or whatever? And that's been classified as a word of knowledge. Like I'm getting information that I wouldn't know naturally. And I don't, this just kind of came out of nowhere. This doesn't mean anything to me. And so they're, they're, the feeling is, is that maybe I'm feeling for somebody else out there. 
And so that's what some people will say that a word of knowledge looks like in a feely sense. But a word of knowledge could certainly be just the Holy Spirit speaking to you and giving you specific insight or, or not necessarily specific but special insight into the person that you're dealing with and you just begin to minister out of that, okay? So that's a word of knowledge. Word of wisdom. Everybody say word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is when the Holy Spirit gives a divine answer or solution for a particular question or challenge. I need people with words of wisdom around me all the time because I'm constantly convoluted, uh, needing to hear from God. But a word of wisdom is when the Spirit gives a divine answer or a solution for a particular question or a challenge that a person might be facing. You get downloaded something and you're like, you just say it and then somebody looks at you and they listen to you and, they're, and, they're, and their face lights up because you just answered a problem in their life. And that was the Holy Spirit speaking through you. Amen. Amen. Discerning of spirits. Everybody say discerning of spirits. This is when the Holy Spirit makes a believer aware of the spirit someone is operating under. Now, it could be the spirit of God, or it could be their own spirit, or it could be a demonic spirit. You with me? So you're in a situation, and you just, you, you sense that something's not right. It's not that these are evil people, but you're in a situation, this is not good. This is the discerning, this is the discernment, the gift of discernment that the Spirit has given you so that you know this is of God or this is not of God. I need to be here, I can be here, or I can't be here. I can go there or I can't go there. And what far too many of us as Christians do sometimes is we shut off our discerner. And we close down the discerning parts of the Holy Spirit. And we make choices that we find ourselves in dangerous situations. And then the next thing you know, you're in shame. And so we need, we need the gift of discernment. Amen. Amen. So those are your discerning gifts. Now we got the declarative or declarative gifts. And these are prophetic, the words of prophecy, uh, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. These are all declaring gifts. Okay, so prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is a message of encouragement from God delivered through a human vessel to another person. It's when God gives you a word and you know that you have to speak this word. You're not necessarily getting downloaded information about someone or what they're dealing with, but God's giving you a word to say. You have no idea what they're going through. Sometimes this happens in church. In fact, Paul said in the, in the fellowship, in the gathering, he said, I, I would much rather there be a lot of prophecy going on, that, as a matter of fact, because there's a wide range of people who need, to, who need to hear from God about a lot of things, right? And so people will come, they, what they do is they have this sense that God is saying something, they'll get, a, they'll get downloaded an idea, and they go up there, and then they begin to share that word. And they give that word because God is speaking through them at that moment. God has downloaded his word 
for either the individual or for the group or for the home group or for a group of people out, out to eat or whatever the case may be. God, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to do it only at church. I just want you to know that. Come on now. And so we need to get this in our spirit. So prophecy is a message of encouragement. Everybody say encouragement. If, you, if your prophetic word is just slicing and dicing people and telling them how awful they are, that is just not of the Spirit. Amen. 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 Now, the Spirit of God can speak a challenging word, but it's always exhorting. It's always encouraging. It's always, let's go on. Let's move up. Let's go forward. Amen. We can do it. You know, with that kind of unction in it. I'm not saying it won't, it can't be a strong word, but it always turns people toward the heart of God, not away from God. And so then tongues, what is tongues? Tongues is a divinely given message from God through a person in a language not previously known or learned. And so we talked about this last week. Uh, we believe that God as strange as it may seem, as out of touch with our time as it may appear, that God has chosen to give new language, unlearned before language. This is not something you took on Rosetta Stone. This is not something you took at college. You prayed, you opened yourself, and God poured out His Spirit, and He gave you a new language and that language needs to be spoken. But that language, when it's spoken aloud in the gathering of the saints, requires an interpretation. Or the scripture says, if there's no interpreter, keep silent. Because this just confuses things. Now you can, you can, like, can we appreciate that this can be confusing? So imagine if you've never been in a church and you walk into Abundant Life Fellowship once in a while or you walk in off the street and you hear some of what goes on in our church. <laughs> to a person that's not churched, for, for me, I'm thankful because I feel like the Spirit is moving. For some of us, I think most of us probably feel that way, but for somebody that this is way out of there, they, they've never heard of such a thing. Well, this, this can be really confusing. That's why Paul said whenever this is given, especially in a gathering, in a broad gathering, make sure that there's an interpretation. We need to interpret those words. And when we say interpretation, we don't mean translation because this is not a language you've learned. It's not a translation. In other words, it's not a word-for-word -word translation. What it is, is an interpretation. Somebody will give a tongue they don't know what they're saying, but Paul said, remember what he said last week. He said, they speak mysteries to God. They're speaking mysteries. It's, it's, we don't know. We don't understand. But when someone is listening and the Spirit gives them the gift of interpretation, it's not a translation. 
He's interpreting what he's sensing the Spirit is saying. And remember, tongues now, Paul said tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. That Now, when he said it was a sign to the unbeliever, he was not saying that it is not beneficial for the believer. He was just saying that this is a sign to the unbeliever. God is in this place. Listen up. That's what the Bible says. Amen. We'll look at that in just a moment. But the, anyway, those are the declarative gifts. And so there's an interpretation of the message. God-given ability to understand and express the thought or the intent of the message in tongues. As I said, it's an interpretation, not a translation. Then, let's go to the final triad here. Uh, the dynamic gifts. Everybody say dynamic gifts. Are we having fun? Won't be much longer. Hang in there. So then the dynamic gifts are the faith. Now, what is the gift of faith? Faith, this is faith that is significantly higher and stronger than the faith you walk in daily. Man, how many could use that? On the regular. Like, every day, pray, God, give me a gift of faith today because I need it today. And so this, and, but, but there are people, I'm telling you, and I've, I've encountered it in my life when I'm just like dragging, when I'm just like down, when I, I don't know, I just don't know if I can make it. Somebody will come along and they will just speak words of faith. And I believe, it's, I believe it really is mountain moving faith. It moved a mountain in my attitude. You know, it moved a mountain in my, in my thought life. And we need that. We need all that kind of going on in our life. So we need the gift of faith. Here's another dynamic one, is the gift of the gifts of healings. Now, notice the way the Bible says that. I don't know if that scripture's up there. I, I, if you don't have it. But it says, this is how it writes it out in the Bible, in the plural. Gifts of healings. There are different gifts for different healings or there, there are a multiplicity of gifts of healings. Is that making sense? Like, there's emotional healing. There's mental healing. There's physical healing. There's relational healing. This, these are gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to impart. When Jesus went everywhere, healing the sick and setting captives free. He wasn't just healing diseases. When he said setting captives free, people were just bound and dead and felt useless and helpless. But Jesus changed their life and set them on a new path. Amen. Amen. And then there's the gifts. Another dynamic gift is the gift of miracles. And a gift of miracle is a divine intervention that changes circumstances. Amen. How many could use a miracle in their life right now? Amen. So let's just talk about, I'm going to do this very quickly here. Um, I want to talk about the purpose of spiritual gifts. Is this doing anything for anybody? So we're on our outline now, number two, the purpose of spiritual gifts. Uh, When Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, here's what he was doing. Just mark this down. He was correcting abuses of the gifts of the Spirit, but he was also correcting the 
over the overreaction toward the abuses in rejecting the move of the Spirit. We don't want to be swung to one side or the other completely. We want to find our sweet spot, get in the Holy Spirit. And Paul was, he was saying, we need spirit. Let's not shut this down. But by all means, let's correct ourselves. If we're out of line, if we're, you know, if we're, everybody's just speaking in tongues, and this is a little bit about what was happening in Corinth, people were kind of feeling a little superior because they had spiritual language, and they were flaunting and flexing, and everybody was speaking in tongues, and they came off looking spiritual, and, but it left a lot of people dazed and confused. And they didn't understand what was going on, and it didn't make sense. And Paul's like, this is not of God. Because the Spirit is not the author of confusion. He wants, he wants to, but he said, but do not despise or resist anyone speaking in tongues or anyone operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need them. We have to have them. And so what are the purpose of these gifts? To edify and equip the body of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7. It says there, I think we have it. Should come up there. Maybe not. Let me see it. I got it. I can get it here. Okay. 1 Corinthians. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for what? The prophet of all. That's not a prophet like as in a somebody speaking, but to benefit, to advantage. So it's edifying me, it's equipping me. It's also for the purpose of evangelizing the lost. Let's bring up 1 Corinthians 14. I want you to see this. Spiritual gifts actually can serve to bring lost people to Jesus. Look at what the Bible says. Paul says, brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding, be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet for, for all that, they did not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for the unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Have they not said that about us? <laughs> but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, watch, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in this place. Amen. Man, I love that. Hallelujah. Now, he was talking specifically about prophecy there, but just add in all the spiritual gifts, because this is the tone of these passages put all together. He's saying when we operate in the spiritual gifts as the Holy Spirit designed us to, in the way that God wants us to, this actually draws people to God. 
It really, I mean, I know some people may be weirded out by it initially. Some people may not totally agree with it sometimes. But if it's, listen, if God is speaking and God is reading their mail through what's being done, they're like, whoa, this is weird, but it's good. Amen. Amen. And listen, I, I, I'm being a little funny here and there, but I, 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 I really believe this. And I believe God wants this for the church. And we need this, especially in the times in which we live. Because we're not doing that well in the world. I'm not, I'm not dogging the church. I'm saying this world is messed up. And we, we can't think like, well, we got to tr- like trim it up and be prim and proper. We need to be powerful. I'm not saying be reckless. I'm saying be powerful. Amen. And then... And then to uh, the final purpose that I want to talk about is to engage in effective spiritual warfare. These are why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Let's look at this together. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitude with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing, watch, and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed, and the lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. God filled this city with joy, the joy of Jesus Christ. But what I want you to see about that is when they preached Jesus and the Spirit of God was working miracles, the devil lost power. He lost a foothold. And that city was taken back. And I'm just telling you, when you and I operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's effective warfare. It takes down strongholds. Amen? Amen. I am trying to wrap this up right now. We're going to close it down. Number three, the, the practice of spiritual gifts. Let me... So how do we put this into practice? How do we do this? Well, first of all, got to know that ignorance is not bliss. The Bible says, my people are perishing for lack of knowledge. Remember how Paul started this out? He said, now concerning spiritual gifts, everybody, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know your stuff, know your word, Know what the gifts of the Spirit are. Know that the Father has made you. He's designed you. He's put motivational gifts inside of you. Know that Jesus has anointed you with the ministry gift. And know that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to all. I don't want you to be ignorant. And he says, I'm talking to you. Turn to somebody and tell him he's talking about you right there. Here's another thing. All exercises of gifts are ultimately to the glory and honor of Jesus. If in our gifts, Jesus is not glorified, then we've been in our flesh. It's all about Jesus. Let's keep it right there. That's ground zero. That's foundational. And if it detracts from Jesus or if it makes something more out of me than it does out of Jesus, then I don't, I don't think it's of God. 
The essence of the gifts, and I've said this enough already, is the expression of love, not of superiority. So when you operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's not because you arrived at some special place. Always look at it like this. I cannot believe the Lord saw fit to use me. Stay right there. Like, you're kidding me. I said something that helped you. You know what I mean? When I touched you, you felt warmth in your back and your pain is gone. I can't believe God saw fit. Stay there. Stay, stay as low as you possibly can. Because if you don't, then you start thinking, look at what I've attained. Look at how I've arrived. Here, everybody sit down. I'll teach you how to do it. So now listen. Hush. Like I'm doing right now. No. Here's another one. All gifts are to be eagerly sought after. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Let's look at this verse. I want you to see it. Read this with me. Pursue love. Let's start again, class. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, I love that. God says, let me speak through you always. Let, you know, I want to speak through you. But I want you to see this. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. I want to remind us, we have not because we ask not. So desire, the word desire literally means to be zealous for, to burn with desire, to ardently pursue. Desire all the gifts. Desire them. Go after them. Want them. And then the final thing, let's all stand together. For the gifts to work, you have to go for it. Now what I mean by that is the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the gifts. But I need to desire them and then I need to go after it. And any, any sense of feeling, because what if I, what if I mess up? What if, I, what if it's not right? Listen, the Holy Spirit is your friend. He's not going to leave you stranded. If you get a sense in your heart about ministering to somebody, go with that sense. Amen. And if you fall down and you stumble and you, or you missed it or it said, no, that has nothing to do with me, then you just brush yourself off, go back into the prayer closet, say, okay, God, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be in sync with you. Help me out here and then go after it again. Yeah. We're never going to get there if we think we can never get there. Right. We have to go after it. Amen? Amen. Can we lift our hands to Jesus right now? Lord, we love you in this place. Thank you for this beautiful night. Thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you for your word of truth. Holy Spirit, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us all right now, afresh and anew, again, right here, right now. God, I pray that we will leave this place full of power, full of passion, full of desire, I pray, God, that we will operate in a gift over these next few days that we thought we would never operate in. And Lord, let it always be all for your kingdom and all for your glory. We love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you guys.